Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We're back again. It's still May. They say April showers bring May flowers. For me, April showers have brought May showers. So just more showers. I am Illegal 86, one of your hosts, and I am joined by my two fantastic friends, Nerd Bomber and Tactic. Say what's up, guys. What's up? Hey, what's up? Remember that old commercial from like... The, we're dating that? ourselves, but the it was like the late nineties, right? Yeah, was Man, that was that good. Budweiser, Bud Light, was, one of those? It was also it was one in of the, the uh, scary movie movie. Yeah, it was like a cultural touchstone. Like anyone who was alive in the late nineties, if you say "was up" to them in that way, they're gonna know what you're talking about. Commercials are amazing, but that's not why we're here. That's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, we're here to talk about some other stuff. We are going to talk a little bit about that a very impressive Unreal Five demo that uh, came out last week. We're going to be talking about some news in the CW DC universe, specifically associated with Batwoman. And of course, we're going to be talking about this extended gameplay demo of Ghost of Tsushima, which we actually talked about. I think we might have talked about it a couple times on the podcast. I know at least once. And it's a pretty cool looking game. So we're going to dive into that. But first, let's start at the start with this Unreal Engine demo. Uh, and, and shout out to our Patreon producer, Ben Shackness. He was hitting us up on Twitter last week to talk to us about this. This video, so essentially what we have here is Epic is showing off their Unreal Engine 5, specifically their Nanite technology, and also Lumen, uh, which is really responsible for, like, I don't know, lighting. I don't know a whole lot about graphics. But what I do know is that uh, this was on PS5 hardware, and it basically showed a very short demo of the comments compared it a little bit to uncharted in the sense that it's this girl more tomb raiders probably what you would think actually where this girl is kind of walking around these ruins um seeing a lot of very fancy you know caves and cliffs and and eventually like ancient architecture and statues and stuff and the whole time she's walking around it's obviously uh gorgeous so i just first thoughts from you guys you know watching this is this was your mind blown by this? Were you impressed by it or were you just kind of meh about it? So first off, if you haven't seen the video, you absolutely need to watch it. Um, for me, when I was watching it, the difference between what we currently have and this didn't hit me until a certain point and then it just blew my mind. And that point in the video was when the character was walking through the cave, all of a sudden a hole breaks through the ceiling and the... Yeah transition from diffused light to full light was was virtually seamless and that absolutely blew me away and then the second one that that i thought was mind-blowing was after they emerge from the cave there's this kind of glowing orb in the distance and the relative reflectivity of the the rays from that orb to your perception as you're running towards it just absolutely seamless it it looked like how i would live that kind of lighting so kudos to the team i think they did a really really good job there i honestly for me the graphics they look great don't get me wrong like especially when i watched the video back in 4k instead of the live stream which was kind of choppy on my end um watching it in 4k it looked phenomenal this looked like a game that i would want to play but the thing that really impressed me the most was at some point in the presentation or maybe it was in an interview on a website, they said that basically with Unreal Engine 5, it will basically be the end of loading screens and that the way that the engine is built yep. is that 
you could basically build an entire world and you can walk through a door. And in some games, like normally that would be a loading screen because that would be your portal to the next level. But with Unreal Engine 5 and the capabilities of the hardware that the games would run on, you wouldn't have a loading screen. So you could literally have a game with no loading screen whatsoever. And to me, like graphical capabilities, obviously, like we're getting to a point now, in my opinion, where games are looking better and better. And I don't know how much better games can look where I could appreciate it, at least not without my glasses. But the loading screen thing, that will really impact the way that I'm immersed in a game because I think we talked about this back when we talked about Spider-Man. One of the things that really, it stopped me from using fast travel at all was because you had that loading screen where he was sitting on the subway. And while that was funny the first couple times, eventually like it kind of broke the immersion. So I would rather just web swing from end to end of the city. And I think loading screens are like, if those go away, that's going to be the the pivotal moment and the pivotal thing that we'll see as a benefit from this next generation. Because, right. I, I mean, at this point, uh, now computers too, I feel like they can run games in 4K. It's not like this super groundbreaking thing. But the loading screen aspect of Unreal Engine 5 was the thing that blew my mind the most. I will say, well, though, so- disappointed that we didn't get a chance to like have this as a full fleshed out game because it looked really interesting like you said it looked kind of tomb raidery i really liked it i like the vibe i'm excited to become a grandfather one day simply because can you imagine you're sitting there looking at your grandchild saying you know back in my day we had these things called loading screens you would have no idea how terrible dude back in our day we were playing stuff like duck hunt and like playing dos games that's true right i mean it's so yeah the loading screens thing is a big deal and and it's worth noting that it seems like Unreal Engine 5 is basically a harbinger of doom for HDDs and, and kind of further proof that if you want to have a gaming PC or if you want to have a good console, it's going to need a solid state drive because all of that no loading screens business is driven by the fact that you have a solid state drive that the engine can take advantage of. For me, you know, the thing about it, so the cool thing about this demo is that, yeah, they have a character walking around and they're they're quote-unquote playing a game but they'll kind of pause the action and they'll like like uh, tactic mentioned this hole opening up in this cave and light shining in and they were kind of showing how okay if we change the angle of the sun and the light shines in certain places you know you can see uh, how quickly you know this lumen engine reacts to that and and how quickly light sources can move and everything looks super seamless and photorealistic and we're talking about you know film quality assets here like these statues they're talking about uh in this kind of ancient ruins scenario like they looked like if you were watching a movie i mean in terms of environments we're approaching photorealism and we have been for a while but i think we're closer now than we've ever been so that's super cool obviously to me you know one of my takeaways is they spent a lot of time and a lot of effort creating this demo and showing these beautiful cliffside scenes and and tactic you mentioned the ending with with the the glowing orb far away in the canyon and everything and it was all beautiful. And they, they showed these fluid animations that would be very natural. This girl putting her hand on a door when she walked through it, which is, you know, it, it's kind of hard. They described how it's hard to replicate. And the whole time they're talking about, you know, using numbers like billions and trillions of triangles and polygons that are used to render these things. And it's all super impressive. And my question is, why don't you put some of that processing power towards the character model? <laughs> because they had this fantastically rendered environment that was just gorgeous to look at. And then they had this girl who, I'm sorry, she was kind of a cartoon. You know, if, if that's where the work is, is needed in terms of graphical uh, impressiveness, because I agree that 
loading screens are probably going to be the next big thing that see but uh, the unreal engine experience the unreal engine is the environment right that's what they were touting it, it wasn't um the character and and the, the the sidebar to that is your perception could easily kind of i guess leapfrog that concern right if if you're if you're looking through the eyes yeah. of the character well who cares what they what they're rendered as and I think sure. a lot of that depends on like the art style of the game because I know like obviously you play some games like I would say probably Assassin's Creed tries to get really realistic with their character models but then you play other games like Borderlands and they really don't like it's uh, super cartoony. So I wonder if it sure. really just comes down to what kind of character assets that you the game developer will provide to the game engine. And I mean but that's the, like, the, the, the my, thing- my point is this was a mix. It was the environment was super photorealistic. And this is like take Uncharted, which I already mentioned for an example. It was like their character models are also very photorealistic and it all fits and it all meshes. And this was, you know, they had this beautiful environment and then they just kind of pasted a cartoon character in there that didn't belong. And and I know it's a demo. I know that's not, you know, the final product what they're going for. But it's just I thought it was an interesting choice, I guess. I don't know. I mean, so for me, I think I've talked about this before. I actually prefer, so like I like the worlds to be super realistic and beautiful, but the characters themselves, if they get too humanoid, they kind of freak me out a little bit. So I wonder if maybe well, that was Uncanny just Valley. Why, yeah. Yeah. There's Uncanny Valley to be contended with. And, and, and yeah, maybe that is why, you know, maybe, but I, my, my point is that might be in terms of graphics where the next big leap will come. We've seen that we can render environments in a way that you're practically there. I mean, we, we, for that matter, we talked about Spider-Man already. We kind of saw that in Spider-Man. You had New York City in its entirety accurately mapped out, and you could go to the Empire State Building and look at it and go, wow, it's the Empire State Building. And granted, Spider-Man also isn't really about character models, but like that might be the next big thing is, you know, take, for example, Call of Duty, I think it was Advanced Warfare. They put Kevin Spacey in the game. And however you might feel about Kevin Spacey, like it's very impressive to be able to look and say, that's Kevin Spacey, but let's be honest, it didn't look like Kevin Spacey. And, you know, we've seen leaps there. You know, they put Norman Reedus in, what's this weird Death game? Death Stranding we, with a baby. Death Stranding. And, and it looks like Norman Reedus, but not quite, right? Like, like I, I think... It's all in the if eyes. If you're asking... Honestly, it's it, all in the it, eyes. It is. It is. And, and, and that you're exactly right about that. But I'm, that's my point is that, okay, we can render a cliff. You know, we can render the Grand Canyon and it looks exactly correct. Like for all intents and purposes, I look I could they could render the Grand Canyon with the Unreal Engine five and I would see the Grand Canyon. But I want them to render uh I don't know, Nicolas Cage. And I want to see him rendered by that engine looking the way Nicolas Cage looks. And like that's gonna be impressive. I, I don't know how far off that is. But yeah, I, I that's a weird example I chose. But but that's that's kind of my point. I mean, I watched this demo and I was like I was blown away by a lot of it. You know, the, the way we didn't even talk about the chaos engine either. The chaos engine being this thing that they use to, I think the example they use was like a swarm of bats or like bugs or something where you have these, you know, swarms of certain things that all, they interact in a group, but they can also interact independently of each other. And again, for the purposes of immersion, it's fantastic. Uh, so I guess when I see that, I'm wondering what the next step is. And, and the lowest hanging fruit to me is uh is the character model but you know i i'm curious to see it's worth noting too that this was demoed on a ps5 it's already 
when I was looking up the article to talk about this tonight, I saw other articles saying, don't worry, this is also like, you can play this on a computer with with a certain, you know, if you have a certain GPU, you'll get the same thing. So it's not a PS5 exclusive thing. It's just, that's what they're demoing it on because obviously the PS5 is coming, but I don't know. It, it changed my perception of, uh, of whether or not I would buy a PS5 around release time. And, and, and to be fair, it didn't change it that much, but it definitely swung the needle a little bit more in the positive direction. I think for me in general, this just kind of makes me excited about the future of games because, I mean, we've seen what a bad game engine can do to a game. And I think anybody who's played some of the more recent Bio- BioWare games, Frostbite, I believe that was a BioWare. Like, isn't Frostbite engine, isn't that an EA one? I, I know it, it was a very bad experience. Any game that I've played with Frostbite, it's just been kind of clanky and janky. And I think Unreal 5, I know they even commented several times during the demo that it would be very easy for a beginner or a small team to make use of all of these special effects. And right. I think that might make indie games a little bit better quality. Not that indie games well, aren't already also- good quality, but like... It, it just it paves the way for a bright future for future games and even small teams can make use of unreal engine 5 and i think they had the assets they said there would be assets available for people to use right well and and it's actually it's funny you mentioned that because this was a point i wanted to mention so yeah the unreal engine is, is free to use uh and, and unreal engine 4 i think all the unreal engines have been free to use but they do have a royalty policy which before this they would begin collecting a 5% royalty t- royalty fee after $3,000 of gross revenue in a quarter for a game. Now they won't take any royalties on the first million dollars of revenue. So that's a significant... That's a big chunk uh, of change. In- increase in that floor. And yeah, and, and, and then, you know, like you said, you could see a lot more viability of indie studios, you know, using this engine to create beautiful games. So it's good news for gamers without a doubt. I mean, we, we didn't even mention... They did a kind of a demo on 360 degrees surround sound, which, you know, watching it on a laptop, I didn't really get the full experience of that, I feel like. But, you know, they've been working on that a lot, too. So uh, it signals, I think, a pretty significant step forward. I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because, and we talked about this last week when we were talking about a bunch of the demos that we saw at the Xbox event, is like, obviously, Epic wants to put their best foot forward with this and they want to show the best possible thing. The question is what do we the end users actually get you know how fine-tuned was this demo they showed how likely is it to break i mean we, you know talk about the physics like look at i want to say bethesda is the worst one for this where you can go on reddit you know r slash game physics and just see how easy it can be to break certain games break the physics engines of certain games and i wonder if there would be certain things that you could do in this demo they showed that would just break everything so it's you know part of me wants to look behind the curtain part of me doesn't i'm pretty psyched about how it looked but i'm also kind of a wait and see guy uh, on a lot of this stuff uh, before we move on tactic you've been you've been relatively quiet any closing thoughts no i'm good with that all right unreal engine 5 demo check it out it's pretty cool promises a lot in terms of triangles it was, it was i was laughing for a lot of the video just because how much they'd walk through a, a cave and be like okay there's over a, a billion triangles in this in this render right here. And I was like, I mean, the number means nothing to me. I mean, obviously the higher, the better, but it was impressive when they did show the actual triangles instead of like the fully rendered image. And 
it basically just looked like noise because there were so many triangles. It like was not even fathomable. They were super small. It basically looked like a bunch of dots on the screen, but each dot was a triangle. Well, yeah, they, they did say like triangles. They did. Well, they did say triangles. There, there can be some triangles that are just one pixel, you know, wide or whatever the dimension is. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we're we're breaking ground here. It's just to me, it's an interesting metric. I get why it's the metric, but like <laughs> they're talking about triangles. I'm looking at a beautifully rendered cave and I'm like, I don't see any triangles, but I guess that's the point. So yeah, check out this video if you haven't already. It's very impressive stuff. But now we are going to talk a little bit more about Batwoman. So I know, so you guys have not watched this Batwoman show. I have not either. This is a CW series uh, just announced that the title role for season two will be recast. And we kind of just want to talk about this simply in the sense of, you know, has this been done first of all and if you're doing it how do you do it not even just in the context of batwoman specifically but you know how do you recast your main role and for tv i have no examples but i i don't know i mean what are your thoughts on this move because because ruby rose the lead uh in batwoman has essentially announced this uh i believe due to like physical concerns she had some injuries or something uh, you might know better than me so from what I was seeing, so season one, I believe, just actually ended. I think the season one finale of Batwoman aired either this week or last week, and it was renewed for season two. That was announced. But today, Ruby Rose did say that she was going to step away. And I know she did have like a really bad injury doing stunts for the show, where she, I think she herniated a couple discs and was super close to being paralyzed or something, though she's saying Yikes. that's not the reason why she is stepping away. She just is decided to step away. Um, but... So I've seen a few roles recast in television, albeit not many. I'm sure there's probably a lot of like bit roles or supporting actors that get replaced in a lot of television shows, but I've never seen right. like a main character get replaced. I think two of the only times that I've seen this happen was once in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where Greg, the character Greg, was recast. Um, he was... Re- I don't remember the actors, but he was originally the guy from frozen and then it got replaced by the guy from pitch perfect. And like, they kind of looked alike, but he was one of the main love interests for the main character in the show. And it was extremely jarring. And they tried to play it off as if like, Oh, cause part of the crazy ex-girlfriend, the shtick was that she had um, a mental illness so that how she progressed with her mental illness changed the way she perceived the character in the show. So when he returned as a different character, it was like, oh, well, I'm healthier now. This is who he actually is. In my mind, he looked like Mm -hmm. this because he was an idealized version or whatever. And so they tried to play it off very well. And like, I guess it kind of worked. But in my mind, it was very jarring. And I was like, that's not Greg. And so for the rest of the show, I was just like, this isn't Greg. This is a character pretending to be Greg. I can't get around the fact that this is not Greg. I mean, I prefer that swap to what they did on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where they just kind of did it with uh, the mom. mom, Right. Yeah. And then just didn't mention it or didn't even hint towards it. It was just a low key swap. And like, I know they did it in Game of Thrones, like Dario was I think he was only in like an episode in one season and then the next season they brought him back and he was a completely different actor and they didn't acknowledge it at all so for like the first half of that episode until they named him I was just like who is this guy like why yeah, is with he Game here? of Thrones I mean there's so many characters in Game of Thrones that's a risky proposition you just I would just think oh this is somebody new but I, I, I think so I agree with you Tectic that 
you have to acknowledge it. You can't like, even if it's something as simple as, Oh, did you get a haircut? Like it's, you have to do something. And like my perspective on this is not like, I can't think of any TV examples. You guys just named two, but I couldn't think of any, like the example I always go to, like as one of the bigger recastings I've ever witnessed period was, uh, Rhodey from the Iron Man for, from, from Iron Man one. Oh, that's In right. Iron Man one. It's, it's yeah, they Terrence Howard pretended it didn't happen. Well, no, see, they didn't. They, well, they, they okay. They kind of did, but, if you remember in Iron Man 2, one of my one of my favorite scenes in the movie is uh, Tony Stark's at that hearing with the Senate guy and they call Colonel Rhodes as a witness and Tony goes back and like shakes his hand and he's like, he kind of like gives him this look and Don Sheedle says, I'm here, it's me, get over it. So it's all, it's almost like, like the writing in a way was saying, okay, yeah, we know this is a different guy. But, you know, they did it the right way in that they, first of all, said his name and showed him. So, you know, okay, now it's a new actor. But they also kind of poked a little bit of fun at it. There's a fine line, I think, in terms of how much do you address it? And I think you have to. But you don't have to go that far. I like, think the I, I, only like, correct way to address it with Batgirl is to kill her. And, and, and have, sorry, Batwoman, and have the role... <laughs> be refilled like it is many times with robin right because the batman story arc is inherently dark and the only way to really get away with something like that is not to be all tongue-in-cheek about it is to just go down the rabbit hole and i mean this well, isn't the first time that the cw arrowverse has really had to do something like this like i mean the black canary man that character has had so many different actresses and so many different iterations that it's almost comical like people have their own thoughts on the entire black canary story arc in arrow but like man you went from i think there were three or four different iterations of the black canary and now they have a spinoff with all of them in one show so it's <laughs> i think if they do it well i, I agree with tactic of the feather i think you just have to kind of like kill the <laughs> character off and have or like have her step down and return for an episode to like hand off the mantle for some reason and just have her disappear plus the one nice thing that the arrowverse does have going for it and i don't know if we can still call it that with the arrow being done but it's still the arrowverse in my mind um they also they've already explored the idea of all of the alternate universes so they could very easily pivot and just be like, oh, this is alternate universe Batwoman now. You right. know, like it, it could be, it's doable. It's very strange com- though. Well, with comic books, you have in general with that material, you have a lot more in, in the way of options. But but it's, I, one, one thing I want to ask, because I agree, Tactic, I think I think your plan, quote unquote, is is a good one. Um, you know, kill her off, uh, off screen and just when season two starts to say, oh, she died in some way. Um, but my question is, do you then, do you bring in a new character to become Batwoman who somehow also knows all of the other existing supporting characters who presumably are still going to be on the show? Or do you wipe everything, start from scratch? Because I, I mean, again, I'm I'm very movie motivated in this discussion, but think about how many times Spider-Man has been reiterated with, with granted with a lot of the same characters, but they just... You know, Toby's done. Okay, wipe the slate slate clean. Let's start another one. I don't think you... Can you take that approach with TV or not? I don't think you wipe the slate clean. You you can keep a lot of the same supporting roles that exist. Um, I mean, you guys all know that I'm a big fan of the animated movie, Batman movies that come out. And the best thing to happen to to Batwoman is, and this is going to sound terrible, is to have her live the... um, 
what was it? I think it's the killing joke one where instead of the Joker just horribly abusing her, he just full on kills her. I think that's the darkest way to do it. That opens the the door for a new rivalry. Well, not a new rivalry, but like a new kind of segment that they can leverage. Um, right. And, and it's, you, and a, it's a tried and true storyline. Yeah, you can, you can set the stage then and right away you have your villain because i assume these sort of shows i've never watched any of the cw shows but i assume they have kind of season-long villain arcs yeah for the most part they do i never got through daredevil but like those comic book shows kind of do so right away then you set the tone and set up the villain by saying okay this person killed batwoman so a we need a new batwoman and it's gonna be this person and b her first job is going to be and here's the other take down this guy in in that movie that's how batwoman went from batwoman to the oracle you can even have her be the quote oracle from that point and just she's just disfigured <laughs> i think or just cast like, a new batwoman or just have her be in the shadows and have someone just be like a voiceover you know what i mean just be like right. oh now we have an oracle it's going to be curious to see you know how this is addressed because as we've clearly shown there's a number of ways to go about it but i i, well, I think what we can agree on is they can't just not address it you know that that that's not really an option and at this point given what film and television is you just have to be more creative than that and like uh, thinking about again thinking about the war machine example like with the incredible hulk they didn't acknowledge that at all did they i think he just they edward norton had one movie and then in avengers mark ruffalo just kind of showed up and yeah i don't know did they even was the edward norton movie even technically part of the canon or was that its own separate thing the Edward Norton movie is part of the MCU. It's part of canon. It introduces like so. General Ross, for example, uh, is introduced in in the Incredible Hulk. So it's it's definitely a part of canon. But th- I don't know. It, it's that one's more interesting because there was never an Incredible Hulk two. So there there wasn't much of a storyline closely tied to the character himself. So when he shows up in Avengers, and he's also a very well known character. It's not like it's not like Colonel Rhodes where you don't really know exactly who he is. It's the Incredible Hulk. Everyone knows the basic story of the Incredible Hulk. So right. Mark Ruffalo can just show up and say, "I'm the Hulk," and you're like, "Yeah, okay." And, and you know, so it's it's a different situation for sure. But they made a choice to not even acknowledge it. So I guess there might be a universe in which you could get away with doing that. But in terms of television shows where you have a much stronger sense of continuity, I, I, I don't think you can get away with that. This also kind of um, leads me to wonder, like what is the status of the Arrowverse and the the slate of CWDC shows? Because, I mean, we all know the Arrow just ended. That was the thing that started the entire world of CWDC off. Then you have The Flash, which, I mean, I think they're on their seventh or eighth season at that point. This point, maybe even more. I don't really know. I haven't kept up with the show in a while. But, like, eventually you would think those actors might start to want to move on. And then you have The Legends of Tomorrow, and I know that is kind of bleeding actors. I know a few of them just left. I know Supergirl, I think, is still going strong. And then they just added, basically, Batwoman and, oh, no, there's another one. Mm, Stargirl, I think. And, like, I don't know, we're starting to get into, not that Batwoman's not a mainstream character, but you're starting to get into, like, tertiary characters here. And... A lot of the main shows that were the tent poles of this universe are kind of starting to fade away or get older where they might fade away soon. I just wonder how long the CWDC universe is going to continue, especially with something like this. Like, this is going to be a major continuity shift, whatever they do. Like, it it doesn't bode well for your series when your titular character sure. is 
being replaced in season two. It just doesn't. I don't care how well it it did in season one. Like, it's just going to be super jarring. And I'm sure there were a lot of people who showed up just because they like Ruby Rose. And interestingly enough, it puts them in a situation that's similar to to the MCU in which we're in a transitional period. And it remains to be seen, thanks to COVID-19, how that's going to be handled exactly. But, you know, even take the Marvel shows that were on Netflix. I'm pretty sure all of them are canceled now, right? I think they just at a certain point decided, okay, these are done. And it was a rare decision on their part. So, yeah, it's interesting. You, like you said, this, this DC, I don't, I've never watched a single show in the Arrowverse, but it's been churning now for a few years, at least, and it's, it's quite popular. So it's a fair question. And this is just kind of another link in that chain of, okay, these, you know, for being these large superhero properties, this is just the latest evidence that they can be fairly fragile. Um, and how they respond to this is going to be interesting. So we shall see. So right now we are going to take a short break before we talk about Ghost of Tsushima. But uh, before we do, I want to shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. Uh, Ben's been supporting us for a while. You've heard his name on the podcast if you've listened before. Uh, he gets a shout out every episode thanks to his role as a producer on the show. So how did Ben become a producer on the show, you might ask? Well, he supported us on Patreon. So if you head to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast, you can see some of the details about how you can become more like Ben. Uh, so as a producer, uh, Ben supports us at the night level and he gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, of course, in addition to this producer shout out input into our weekly game segment. And he will also be guesting hint, hint extremely soon. Uh, and he gets that opportunity every once in a while. So um, you can get that opportunity as well. Uh, and we would love your support. If you aren't quite uh, in the position to support us at the night level, uh, we would also love your support at the Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. Or there's also the page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So again, the the details are at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Go check it out. Be like Ben. We will take a short break and we'll be right back to talk about Ghost of Tsushima. I'm Harrison. I'm Jordan. Well, I'm Harrison. I'm fucking Jordan. All right! And we're the Grief Rio Podcast. Let us be your unnatural Sherpa guides on this existential plane of mountainous game and movie exploration. And don't forget about that spookiness that lives within us all. But mainly in you, you spooky bitch. How damn offended. We've been voted the best podcast to listen to by many. By many? That means a few. That's more than one. Results may vary. We'll see you on the next episode of Grief Burrito. Yeah! Yeah! Okay, welcome back. So this past week, I believe it looks like May 14th, according to this YouTube video, in the latest kind of state of play event from PlayStation, we got an extended look at the gameplay for Ghost of Tsushima. And by extended, what I mean is it's like 19 minutes worth of gameplay. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to kind of dissect here. You know, we talked about Ghost of Tsushima a while back. For those that don't know, you know, it looks... And, and there's, there's kind of a, a common thread in a lot of the YouTube comments, which I know reading YouTube comments is a dangerous exercise but a lot of people are referring to it as you know assassin's creed japan or like the assassin's creed that that ubisoft didn't get to make before before sony jumped on it essentially and um you know look watching the gameplay it it does it does play like that in a lot of ways so especially if you play as ghost yeah so well so i want to i want to talk about that specifically because you know they they showed a couple of different ways you can play as as this character i think it's Jin is the character that you play as and you can play as essentially Jin the Samurai. I think these are the two that they mentioned, but there might be there might have been more. Jin the Samurai or Jin the Ghost. And 
it's interesting that they never use the word ninja throughout any of it. Um, but essentially, if you play this Jin the Ghost, you are a ninja. And it they char- they go out of the way to characterize it as dishonorable relative to the samurai being honorable, uh, which I also think is interesting. But, but in, any, in any case, let's, let's start from the top. You know, generally, what did you guys think of this? I mean, obviously, the game itself looked beautiful in this. So, like... What really usually sells me on a game is the story, because like you said, this did look a lot like an Assassin's Creed game just from the gameplay. And so the gameplay looked very Assassin's Creed-y. I mean, I I don't really know how much I can really say about it. It didn't seem like you necessarily... Obviously, we saw short snippets of the gameplay and the different styles, and it didn't necessarily seem like there was a lot of of motivation behind what you were doing, but obviously it was very truncated... Um, footage so for me i this didn't really sway me in whether or not i wanted to get the game i thought the visuals were beautiful the combat looked kind of interesting but it also looked a little bit easy i know tactic wants to talk about that a little bit but i mean obviously we're not really seeing the controls and what you have to do to defeat your enemies but it didn't really seem like it was super difficult and for me, I don't know, this just seems like another open world game and there's so many of those out there and I don't know if this is something that I necessarily want to play. The setting looks super interesting. I hope the story is compelling. I think that would be the thing that brings me in. There are those little foxes. I thought... I, I, you know, I knew you were going to mention the foxes. I knew that was the one thing you were going <laughs> to hone in on, but, but like, continue. I, I swear to God, I thought that he was going to like kill the fox and I was super heartbroken. I was like, no, why would you kill the little fox? And then you see him pat the fox yeah. on the head and you're like, yes. And I don't know if you guys follow the Twitter account, can you pet the dog? But like the thing that I immediately thought was, yes, you can pet the fox and I will pet all pet of the, the boxes. So I, if there's a big like relationship between Jin and the fox, like I might play just to see where that goes because I like foxes. It was cute. But I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, and I know, Tactic, you're going to talk about the combat, but there were certain things about it. So, so, so first of all, the the I shouldn't say the differentiation between playing in samurai mode and ghost mode isn't clear, because it is, but it, they also kind of end the same way. Like, in ghost mode, he still winds up drawing his sword and, like, fighting these guys much in the way that a samurai would. That's point one. Point two, I think, is what Tactic's gonna, Tactic is going to say. And Tactic, are you going to touch on the first few moments uh in samurai mode because this was something that really irked me a little bit i'm gonna touch on a lot of things okay why why don't you i'll give you the floor and i'll I'll come in later because i think we're gonna overlap on a few things but go ahead so first and foremost before i get into the combat i'm gonna go in chronological order of the video um i love playing open world games i find myself just doing ridiculous tasks that i just defined for myself as a means to exploring the world. The fact that the even the win interacts with you to give you waypoints, I find incredibly breathtaking. Um, on top of that, you have various animals and creatures and smokestacks kind of luring you to different po- points. And then you could pet the fox. I mean, I'm so glad Nerd Bomber mentioned that because that was super awesome and I was very excited about that feature. Now, that said, going on to the combat side of it, The fight styles were incredibly different, and the samurai specifically, it seemed like it was almost like quick time events where you're just sitting there as opposed to like fighting and just kind of button mashing. You're more just, okay, watch the guy with the arrow, hit, watch the guy with the sword, hit, watch the guy with the arrow again, hit. And that 
man, that would stress me out. I am not about samurai style. I am more well, about not, ghost style. It's not and about then, stress. It's like they, 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 they keyed up this first, you know, you walk up as a samurai and you face off with this guy and you both draw your swords in this big moment. And then, oh, no, you hit, uh, you apparently hit the right button at the right time and you just cut him in half, basically. And he just dies. And it's like, yeah, I get that's probably how it was, but like, come on. Let's get some clinky clinking going on and like, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. a sword fight of some kind. And like, yeah, then he's walking around blocking the arrows with the sword. And it's like, I get that that's a thing, but like. And he wasn't even prone on. when he was doing it. He was just standing straight up, like just going, hey, get out of here, arrow. But yeah. going to the ghost part, I disagree with you that the ghost is like the samurai when he is in face-to-face combat, simply because he's using other things like throwing stars and smoke grenades. Sure to to always throw them off and, and and he's never really confronting them quote honorably it's never sword to sword contact potential it's always well i'm going to stab you but i'm also going to do this for lack of a better term tricky dick stuff to uh <laughs> right. to throw you off right and he's he, he's there's more climbing like he's climbing around and like climbing on that boat and stuff and it was super cool like i if, if it were me i would definitely play in ghost mode it looked way more fun i i have to disagree with you nerd bomber in that I was, and I, again, reading the YouTube comments and granted, they're going to be just filled with salt, but like, I did not graphically, I was like, this is not that impressive. And like, there there were times when I was like, this isn't done yet. Like the, the guys getting hit with arrows animations were comical almost like it was, it was like a gunshot. (laughs) It was, they would fly off their feet. Like, and and there was a lot of good ones. Like whenever anyone got slashed with a sword, it was kind of funny, but because it was like the only animation they had, but it was like they would stand there for a second and just like clearly dying and then just like flop over on the ground. So that was funny. But yeah, there, there were parts of it looked good, but there were also parts of it. Where I was like, these textures are not what they should be. Needed more or, triangles for sure. They needed more, they need more triangles. That um, is fair. I wasn't really looking at the combat animation. Like I was definitely wooed over by like the, the sweeping landscape views yeah, and the environments. Yeah. That, that yeah. really looked good to me, but it is kind of jarring now that you mention it. Yeah, they did look like they were getting shot by a gun or like a shotgun. Like flying backward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's insane. The I think my favorite part of the entire 18 minutes, 19 minutes, whatever it was, when, I mean, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for more than a couple episodes, or even for one episode probably, knows that I love movies more than like most things in my life. And granted, I haven't watched many old-timey samurai movies, but when they mentioned the the like samurai cinema mode where you can just go black and white, I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. I don't, I don't know why. I just like I I was like that is so cool because like you see all these old movies like Seven Samurai and stuff that like they're very that's like part of it almost is like it's grainy, it's black and white, and like it's just these it's it feels like, it feels like it's more befitting of the environment you're in and the time you're in almost that it just to me that elevated it just a little bit i I still don't know if it's for me but i yeah i thought that was interesting but at the same time like it's kind of a gimmick and how often are you really going to use it like probably a battle or two you might be like oh let's let's activate this mode let's make it seem like we're in a samurai film but then like after the second or third encounter do you really care i i could see myself playing the entire game like that honestly really just because it would be unique it would be interesting. That's true. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think, and where, where I was going was, I, I don't think I'm going to buy this game. Like, it's, it doesn't, it didn't do, this gameplay demo didn't do enough for me to put me in, like, a take my money mode. It looked fine. It looked cool. 
I don't know if it's for me. I mean, I ran out of steam on the Assassin's Creed games. This looks very, and as much as it is open world, it looks kind of mission-based in a way that I don't think I would get a lot out of, if that makes sense. And also, see, like, customization doesn't mean anything to me, and they harped on that a lot, and it's not really my thing. So. See, I, I too ran out of steam on the Assassin's Creed games, but it was more because the story was just too long and convoluted, and I just, ain't nobody got time for that. Whereas yeah, this is, on. yeah, this is just... Hey, we're 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 starting starting from point zero. Here's your chance to get in and come for a ride. And I'm for it. Yeah, I will say I I think, in that sense, it is point zero is a good that's a good point. Is like, yeah, you're starting at the beginning of something, it could be a much more self contained thing. Yeah, if that's there's a good, a good story here, then I might be more compelled to play it. Like I said before, I like the gameplay loop, I feel like at this point, there's really not a good gameplay loop that's super original or unique. I feel like for the most part, for many games, it's all kind of deviations on the same thing. There's something yeah. that's really been truly groundbreaking in the last few years. So unless the story is super captivating, then it's just going to be more of the same old. And I think that for people like you and me, Illegal, we didn't benefit from this preview at all. Because the gameplay, you know it's going to be good. It's a sucker punch game. It's Sony funded. Right. I mean, for the most part, I feel like most of the Sony first person titles have been pretty tight in terms of gameplay. Maybe Death Stranding. I didn't actually play it, but I heard bad things. So maybe that excluded. But for the most part, you can expect a quality gameplay experience. But for me, like I need to find a compelling story to get me to play that gameplay loop. Otherwise, I might as well just go back to an old game I already have. Sure. And, and, and like, and it's worth noting, like, this whole samurai milieu like it's it has a lot of appeal for me like the last samurai is a kind of a goofy movie if you haven't seen it but i love it so much <laughs> it's like and i was when i was watching this i was thinking about that a lot it's like oh man it's like you're in the last samurai and you're not because like that movie was ridiculous but um the soundtrack was great i will say that was another thing that i i actually wrote down while watching this was there were parts of the soundtrack i was like this is a legit real deal soundtrack which Can I just is say, just one super piece of enjoy that you take notes when you watch the trailers. I should start doing well, that. I, I, I want to make sure that when I show up to these things, I'm not just, I, I don't have nothing to say. And it turns out most of the time that's the opposite. I have too much to say, but just, you know, to be safe. I'm a note taker in general. But yeah, so so if you haven't watched this this demo, go watch it. It's it's whether or not you think you'll wind up playing it. It's, it's an interesting watch. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima... I actually don't know when it's coming out. I want to say July. I'm looking it up right now. Um, yeah, I think it was sometime in July. I also June know or July, that that... but it's also July 17th is when it's supposed to come out. Sorry. Okay. I know that's also not how you pronounce the title, but that's how I've been saying it. But I've been corrected, oh, apparently. I don't know. I can't like physically make myself pronounce it the correct way, so I can't even correct you because that's like the way I've been saying it, and someone corrected me, and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to keep on saying it. The way is that I've it, been saying it. Is it Tsushima? Well, no, I you think it is. That. I think it oh. is, but like, I, I just like eh. mentally, I have a mental block where I can't say it. I don't know why. I've, I've said it wrong enough times now where if anyone was offended, they would have already turned this off. So I'm not even talking to them anymore. Hopefully um, in the sequel, it'll be Ghost of Someplace Else. Right. Uh, so yeah, July 17th, 2020. Feel free to check it out. It might be your thing. It might not. That's the joy of video games. Speaking of the joy of video games, uh, I am going to hijack the first update in What Are You Up To Wednesday. Uh, I finished Luigi's Mansion, and Nerd Bomber and Tactic both know this because we have a group chat, and I was complaining to them 
about how hard it was to find some of those freaking gems. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter to talk to me about the gems and how hard they were to find or how easy they were if you're a lot smarter than I am. Uh, I did find all of them and I did beat the game. My rub with it is, maybe it's, it's a more rub with myself, is I spent a lot of coins on gem finders. <laughs> so by the end of the game, so th- th- there's three potential game endings for Luigi's Mansion. Well, the, the actual really? endings are all the same. The endings are all the same, but at, so at the end, kind of spoiler alert, but it's not really, there's not really any substance to it. Uh, at the end, you build a hotel, a new hotel for the ghosts is the whole shtick. And how big the hotel at the end winds up being that you build is based on how much, how many, uh, how much money you have at the end of the game. So like for me, I literally had no idea. Yeah. We didn't spend yeah. a dime on our, I so had, we must've had the biggest hotel. You must've had the biggest hotel. I think you needed over like 70,000 or something. And that's oh, easy yeah, that to get. You're not spending any of it. Us. So, so for, for me, I spent a lot of money on like all, I bought all the boo finders, all the jobs. Like, why not? I have no reason to not do it. So I got a grade and they give you a grade too. So I'm sure you guys got a grade A, which gets you the biggest hotel. Grade B obviously gets you the second biggest. I got grade C, which gets you like this little one story, like Motel 6 kind of deal. But if I had known that, I would have tried to find the gems without the gem finders. Now, granted, I wouldn't have succeeded because I can tell you right now, there were some of those gems that if I didn't have gem finders, I never would have found them. But that was like, that was an interesting thing, I guess, with my my ending experience of that game. I also had a really hard time with the final boss, but I did beat it. Did you pull up any of the game? Nope. Not a single part. Um... See, we found so that, the difficulty that part didn't really change whether you had one people or two people shooting. So co-op definitely made it a much more beatable game. Okay, so you're so you're saying it was easier. You, you kind of just said two things that were opposite. I think so what he means saying, is like the enemies didn't get any harder if you played with two people. I, I words okay. sometimes good. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't, and I will say like you get, and I don't want to spoil anything, but like the last boss in that game. The general difficulty curve of that game is most of the time you're walking around, you could be playing the game with one hand and you'll be fine. It's super, super easy. Then you get to like a floor boss and like those are still not that hard, but like I did die on a couple of them because I couldn't figure out. Every boss in that game is based on like you find out the one thing that you need to do to kill them. And then once you figure that one thing out, you're golden. You just have to do it. And there were a couple times where I died because I couldn't figure out what that thing was. I would eventually figure it out. Uh, the final boss of the game, man, I don't know about you guys, but I found that to be very challenging. <laughs> like I, I think it, it only took me like five or six times to beat, but I feel like that sixth time where I did beat it, I got lucky. But that's, I guess that's where I'll leave it right now. I moved on to Starlink battle for Atlas and I'm having a really good time with that so far. Actually, I've only played it for like an hour or two, but, uh, you get to customize your ship a lot in that game, right? Yes. Uh, and granted, I don't have like, that's the one that comes with like the plastic pieces. I don't have any of that. It's all digital you can play it that way but yeah there's a lot of ship customization there's it's open world with multiple worlds which is pretty cool like you can literally explore an entire planet and then go to the next one so i'm a completionist gamer so i'm going to take a long time to beat it but that's just fine with me um it's ship combat you know it, it's not revolutionary ship combat necessarily but it's if you're into that sort of thing and i haven't done it for a while but i found after revisiting it that yeah i still like it a lot so i'm i'm into it i would actually a comparison I would draw, even though it's not like an MMO or anything, there's really no online multiplayer element, is that it's kind of like Destiny a little bit, because in Destiny, you can spend a lot of time just kind of bombing around specific planets and doing side quests, essentially. And this has kind of that same flavor as there is a main campaign, but there's a lot of like 
little things you can go get for this person and he'll give you a reward at the end some upgrade so i'll be spending a lot of time in it and i'm really enjoying it tactic why don't you uh keep us rolling here Okay, so I'm particularly excited about this What You Do in Wednesday. Um, I have officially started construction and design of the wizard staff that I said I was going to um, craft. I did not, however, take the route of using an animal skull simply because I can't really find one. Um, How long ago did you... This was a while ago that you mentioned that you were going to do this. Yeah, and what what better time uh, than under quarantine with stuff around the house... And uh, seeing what you can craft. So by all means, folks, sharpen your crafting tools, get creative and see what you can make with stuff around the house. So hopefully I continue to, to work at it and it will probably be my next video vlog. Exciting. Keep on keeping on, my friend. Uh, we're, I think I speak for all of us when I say we're looking forward to what you, what you come up with. Uh, Nerd Bomber, finish us off. Okay, so I have two things that I kind of want to talk about. Uh, the first is that I started playing Greedfall. So I had posted on our Twitter and social media that we had bought a bunch of games that were on sale like probably two or three weeks ago. And I finally put down Animal Crossing. I think I'm officially done for now with the game. I've just kind of like, it's run its course in terms of the play pattern, needed something different. And so Greedfall is a sprawling RPG kind of in the vein of a Dragon Age type game. And it's, it's a double A game, one of the few I feel like double A games that have come out this generation. I feel like things are either like triple A high production value titles or an indie game. And so this is one of the few like double A games. It's a studio, I think, based in France. And essentially, it, it, I mean, it, it looks almost like a game from last generation. And it kind of plays a little clanky and janky, too, in terms of, like, the character movement. And it took me a few hours to really get into the game. So basically, the, the premise of the game, and I didn't realize that this was the underlying story when I bought it, was um, you come from a continent that's being overrun by the plague, a plague of some sort, which is ironic. Um Jeez. And so you're sent as an emissary to a new island to kind of habitate it, colonize it, and see if there's a potential cure to send back home because your mother is afflicted by the disease. So you basically start on a quest, you go on a boat, you sail the seas, and it's it's got magic in it. And it's kind of, it's not medieval per se. I would say it's like colonial era times. There's also like swashbuckling, piratey things and magic. 17th century, 17th century styled is what I'm reading on Wikipedia. Yes. Thank you. Guides people. Yeah. Um, And so like a lot of the gameplay, it feels like an old school Dragon Age game. And I couldn't figure out, ironically, like there's a lot of stuff going on. I haven't played an in-depth in-depth RPG in a very long time. So like there's button binding and stuff in the game and I couldn't figure out how to run. So for like the first four or five hours that I played the game, it was a very slow slog. And I was like, well, this is stupid. Like it takes me 15 minutes to get across town and there's a bunch of fetch quests that I'm doing right now to build up my bond with my party members. Like this is stupid. And just as I was about to put it down, I happened to hit the A button and realized that that's how you run. You didn't so, try the A button? Just try all the buttons. I thought it would attack or something. I don't know. So eventually, now that I know how to run, 
I'm actually having a lot of fun with the game, even though the graphics and the controls are kind of old school. It's just, it's, it's nice to get back into that type of game. It's an ex- escape, really like developing relationships with my characters. I'm trying to figure out which character I want to romance. That is the most hilarious Woo-hoo. thing to listen to. I'll, I'll walk in the room and she'll go, I can't figure out who to sleep with. I can't figure out who to romance. She used the term romance, which I think is even funnier. Who do I romance? Well, that's what they call it. And I mean, if you if you make the wrong decision. So right now, there is uh, a sea captain who's in my party. And like, he's kind of mysterious, but his face is all kind of like weird looking because he has a bunch of face tattoos. And I'm just like not really into that. But he's this like young, capable seafaring captain. And then my other option is my my old master of arms from growing up. He's apparently like 15 to 20 years older than I am, which nothing wrong with age discrepancies. But he always talks about how he knew me when I was a little child. And that just is like, kind of creepy. Does he lick his lips when he says that? No, but it's just like, I get weird vibes, even though he's nice. And so, like, I'm leaning towards the face tattoo seafaring captain. Unclear I'd at let this him, moment. I let him master my arms, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, Pretty good. Basically, it's a very Dragon Age-esque game. And for a double-A game, I think, like, the world is actually very well done. The story so far seems pretty interesting. So I guess I'll keep you guys posted. But I think this is going to be, like, a big 40 to 50-hour adventure. So it's I actually guess- interesting... I'm on the Wikipedia page, uh, and under plot, there's there's a message from Wikipedia that says, this article's plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed. I've never seen that before, but someone really poured their blood, sweat, and tears into this Wikipedia plot summary. I'm not going to read it, but I just wanted to make that note. I feel like it's one of those games that kind of flew under the radar a little bit, and in like five or six years, people will look back and there will be this weird little cult following of people who were obsessed with it. I can definitely see that happening. Um, it seems to have like fairly positive reviews, somewhat mixed. It's either way, it sounds way too heavy for me, but that's kind of unknown at this point. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention is that we are still in the throes of our Chuck rewatch, and we're halfway through the third season, and I'm already like kind of upset because I know we're nearing the end, and I don't know what I'm going to watch after. But Avatar. How, many, how many seasons is it? There's five seasons. And oh, okay. You're like barely halfway through. You, you we've, relax. we've gone through two and a half seasons in like a week and a half. So, and this is a show that I've watched probably like five times easily at this point, but it's still so good. And if anyone wants to tweet at me and talk Chuck, I feel like there's nobody who still wants to talk about the show, but <laughs> I do. I could write like a freaking thesis on the show. I've analyzed it so much. And it's so good. And the soundtrack is amazing. If you don't even want to watch the show, listen to the soundtrack because it's great. And so that is, that is my thing. It's actually, it's a good time for, I feel like I realize this is the first episode in a while where we've gone this far and I haven't even mentioned our Twitter handles. So we're all on social media. We're all on Twitter. I am at OWLady6. I am at OWNerdWummer. We have at OWTechnic and our main account at OnlineWarriors1. So go ahead and sub to talk about Starlink or Chuck or wizard staffs whatever whatever you're in the mood for who i should romance uh, who you should who who nerd should romance uh any of the topics from today any of that uh we're happy to hear from you so with that i think nerd bomber has a quiz for technic and i today i do so this quiz is very topically appropriate it is samurai movie trivia Ooh. except instead of trivia i'm going to do more of a lie detector style to this type of quiz topic this week 
I feel it. We haven't done that in a while, and I'm yeah, for it. I want to mix it up, and there are a lot of funky titles for samurai-style movies, so I figured this would be a fun way to shake things up. So I'll kind of start... Uh, we'll we'll have a legal go first, and then we can swap who goes back and forth with saying whether cool. these titles are real or fake. So the first one is Fate of the Final Sun. The Final Sun? Oh, that's made up. That's definitely... That's you. That's got you written all over it. So I think illegal busted so i'm gonna say true <laughs> <laughs> so illegal is right i totally made this one up this guy has you written all over it i don't know what it was about it but the second i heard it i was like that's there's no way all right sweet early lead uh, i did not bust that's good. <laughs> no busting yet okay so the second one is revenge of a kabuki actor can you use it in a sentence <laughs> <laughs> this movie is called revenge of a kabuki actor <laughs> pretty good that, sentence that's true because i don't think you can make that up i agree it's 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 real okay so that one is real so you both get a point here this is a movie released in 1971 where a kabuki actor exacts a bloody revenge after he encounters the wealthy businessman who destroyed his family wow sounds sounds intense okay so the score is two to one with a legal in the lead this next title is honor of the wind honor of the wind that sounds fake, but I'm gonna say true. It's just—it's too true. It's just—it's—it it rings too true. I'm saying I concur. I also think it's true. Legal, you should have gone with your gut. You guys are both wrong. I made that one up, but <sighs> it would be a great samurai title. Uh, honestly, I kind of want to steal that and write a samurai movie. Honor Please of the do. Wind. Honor yeah. of the wind. We just talked about the wind guiding you. It just—it. Where do you right. think I got it from? <laughs> oh gosh, she's stealing from Ghost of the name i can't say <laughs> all right so the more yeah he, he, he <laughs> must not love. okay so it's still two to one with the legal in the lead this next title is called after the rain that's true i don't yeah i'm gonna say true as well i i feel bad just following tactic but it's it's true that one's real all right so you both got that one right this was a movie released in 1999 other fighters become jealous after a wandering samurai secures a position as their lord's fencing master. Yeah, and it, it all happens after the rain. Okay, so now it's three to two. Illegal still in the lead. I have three of these left. I don't have any good backups for a tiebreaker, <laughs> so make sure we don't end in a tie. Okay, right, it's, it's tight. So this next okay. one is called Samurai Wolf. Samurai Wolf, this is fake. I think that one is also true. All right, so Tactic has caught up. Oh, gosh, dang it. This was a Who movie released in 1966. A charismatic ronin gets snared into a conflict between officials at a way station and gains the enmity of a group of thugs. Classic ronin. Yeah, but who's the wolf? Is there a wolf involved? I think maybe he's the, the fox, wolf or really? channeling the wolf. I don't oh, He's uh, a samurai. God, whatever. Forget it. Gosh, darn it. All right, that's fine. There's two left. Okay. I can do this. So this next one is called Dance of the Samurai. Am I going first? I think it's you, yeah. That is false. All right, Illegal, yeah. what do you think? I, I know this kind of puts me in the corner for the next question, the last question, but I have to agree with Tactic. This is false. Okay, you guys are too good. You got your lie detectors finely tuned. That one I did make up. I don't think okay, any so samurai movie ever ever just goes, hey, this is a samurai movie. I mean, <laughs> you had Samurai Wolf. Samurai there was also, Wolf, yeah. There were a ton. There was like a movie called yeah, the Seven Samurai Samurais. Wolf had a big awoo in it. 
<laughs> Seven Samurai is like one of the most popular and like well-known ones. Yeah, so, there's, yeah they do. They there's a the decent title. amount of samurai movies with samurai in the title. Okay. Okay, so we're in the last question now and we're tied. This is so, the last one. So why don't we do this? Because um, I, I don't want like it kind of puts Tectic in a box where he has to say the opposite of whatever I say. So why don't we say our answers at the same time? To try and like iron out any follow up. No, I'm I'm fine of doing the opposite of whatever you say. I mean, I can just count it down and do one, two, three, and then on the next beat, you guys would just say what you think. All right, yeah, let's up, do that. Let's do it that way. Okay. So this last one is called Sword of the Beast. Okay. One. I'm ready. Two, three. True. That's Balls. true. That's true. Okay. So perfect. Perfect. We're we're dialed in. All right, so Illegal wins this one. This was a real yes. movie. It was released in 1965, and it was set in 1857 at the end of the, and I'm going to butcher this, Takugawa Shogunate. The story follows a fugitive samurai who's killed a counselor in his clan to a mountain where he meets another samurai who is poaching gold. You know, I totally just said the opposite of what you said. You never heard of The Sword of the Beast? I did. I just Come said on, the that's... opposite of what you said. You didn't Wait, hear this is the a delay? well-known movie? <laughs> I did hear No, I was kidding. I've never heard of it. Oh. Uh, what, regardless of how shrouded in controversy it is, I'll, I'll take the win. You said you're just going to say the opposite of whatever I said, no matter what. So I'm fine with it. Okay. So I will be preparing a quiz next week. And we, hint, hint, may have more than uh, two participants in that one. So be sure to tune in for that. We want to thank everyone for listening. We love doing this. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening. If you did, or I guess even if you didn't, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We always appreciate that. And again, you can hit us up at our social media handles, on Twitter, uh, OW with 86 at OW Nerd Bomber, at OW Tactic, and at Online Warriors 1. We'd love to chat with you. Uh, in the meantime, have a fantastic week, and we will see you next week for our last show of the month of May. Whoop, whoop.